Thanks for the chance. <laughs> Friends in Christ, let's pray. Father in heaven, for Jesus' sake, stir up in us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Forgive our sins, inspire our faith, enlarge our love, kindle our zeal, and send us forth as ambassadors of your glorious kingdom. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. My name is Chris, and I'm last, last. It's the last Sunday of the summer. I'm the last preacher in a sermon series on the last of the prophets, and it's the last book in the Older Testament, last. Last has a lot in common with least and lost. They sound a little bit alike, and they all start with <laughs> L. Now, in case any of you sometimes feel last or least or lost, stay tuned. If you're the last batter in the lineup, hitting in the number nine position in baseball, you still got a shot. Don't figure the odds. Just be glad you're on the squad. Well, let's start with a, a fun story about football. That was a rather quick switch from baseball to football, but we're in that season of switching now, right? Summer coming to an end, baseball season about over. Alas for us Twins fans, it's been another <laughs> lost season, but maybe now with the purple except some of you know the history there as well. <laughs> the Vikings are currently zero for 56. 56 seasons of football, zero championships. That's a lot of losses. In fact, to make it even worse, you may know this, but there are 12 cities in the United States that have all four major sports teams and the place with the worst overall record? <laughs> Minnesota. The place that's gone the longest without a championship in any one of those sports? Minnesota. Well, enough on the losing. <laughs> so there was this football game between the large animals and the small animals. Doesn't sound too fair or hopeful, but the game was underway for the little guys not going well. I got to halftime and the score was 49 to nothing. So they head into the locker room. The coach tries to give them a little pep talk. They got to go back out. At the start of the second half, the, uh, the large guys have the ball. The elephant plunges into the line and is stopped for no gain on first down. Second down, the giraffe tries an end sweep, loses two yards. Third down, the hippo goes off tackle. Again, no gain. The defense comes off the field. The coach is so excited. He goes, wow, you guys, that was terrific. I, that was amazing. Uh, who got those tackles? And the centipede says, well, coach, I did. And the coach says, well, that was really great. Where were you in the first half? And the centipede says, 
I was putting on my shoes. <laughs> so fellow Lasters, Leasters, Losters, uh, hang in there. Let's get laced up and in the game. Well, a much bigger and better letter than whatever L you might be carrying around is this letter. We're going to think a lot today about the, the letter M. M is going to have some good stuff for us to think about. And, of course, this is the, uh, the first letter in our prophet today, Malachi. Now, Malachi doesn't stand out. He just kind of blurs in with all those other Amos, Obadiah, Hosea kind of guys. But Malachi had a job to do, and he's got a message for you. Now, don't be turned off by his prefix, because many of you know that mal means bad, as in malevolent or malware or malnourished. And Malachi does deal with a lot of bad stuff. But he's trying to point us to the source of all goodness. Malachi might be just a minor guy, a minor prophet, but he aims to get us in touch with life's major hope. Malachi pulls no punches about our human malfeasance. But he works for the Lord, whose long suit is mercy. We're counting on it. Well, the name Malachi means my messenger. My messenger. I like the sound of that. Uh, in a world that often kind of smacks you around, gives you a lot of negative messages, how nice it is to know that there's a message from above the world to lift you up a little bit, give you some good news for a change. Now, to be honest, you've got to look a little hard in Malachi uh, to find the good news. But since he's in the service of a good God, uh, we're going to trust that what he's saying is for our good. Well, last place, Malachi, starts out this way. Here's the first verse in his, uh, his book, A Prophecy, the Word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Uh, let, let's break that down. After all these weeks, you know that a prophecy is a message from God through a human, a prophet, to communicate God's truth with consequences for the hearers. Truth with consequences. So that's what Malachi is going to bring. Truth with consequences. It doesn't always predict the future, but it impacts the future. It's got implications. It's got consequences for us. Now, it told them how it was going to be. It was kind of like a sign at a fork in the road that could point you in one way or the other. There's that little saying, you know, you can't change your destination unless you change your direction. And Malachi is working on that. He's trying to give them the truth with consequences to change direction. Now, a prophecy wasn't just some guy's opinion, some crackpot's two cents worth. It was, as it says, the word of the Lord. We got plenty of words down here. 
We got a lot of opinions. There are oodles of pundits giving you their spin. Hmm? Listen if you want or not. But these prophets, these prophecies are preserved for us in Scripture because they are the word of the Lord. Now at 3,000 years old and counting, the word of the Lord abides from age to age and pole to pole. So above all those voices that come at you, it is life-saving to have the word of the Lord. Listen and live. That's what Malachi and the prophets are saying. Listen and live. It may not always be what you want to hear, but it is the truth, and it will last, and it will accomplish what God intends. First Peter chapter 1 has this verse. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. That's our confidence. Listen and live. Now, we know that many people in our century do not listen, do not approve the word of the Lord. They might even oppose it outright. But the believers know. They might even oppose it outright. But the believers know. Hammer away, you hostile hands. The hammers break, the anvil stands. The word of the Lord is unbreakable. Now, this was the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. That's what we're thinking about. There's a to and there's a through. To, that means it's the word with a target. There's an audience. It's not just a scatter shot into the air. It's aimed. It's not like... This poem entitled, The Benchwarmer's Lament. I shot a pass into the air. It came to earth I know not where. And that is why I sit and dream on the bench with the second team. <laughs> uh huh. Israel was the target for the word. There needs to be a target. And Malachi was the delivery instrument. It's to Israel through Malachi. He was the messenger. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, so what? That was long ago and far away. That's just history. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, you could be right for lots of people. If the word of the Lord just lays there dry and dead, uh, it's not going to do what it's meant to do. Many folks view the Bible as history, words from long ago, yada, yada. But it's meant to be different. In fact, here's, here's the way to make it different for yourself, I think, as well. In the uh, Quest Bible that, that we use here at our congregation, you know, there's a nice little introduction uh, to each book of the Bible. And, and this one on Malachi has this little line. Why read this book? Here's the first sentence. Malachi holds a mirror before you, helping you assess your relationship with God. Mirror. That's how it lives. That's how it works. If the Bible is just some old document, if it's a mirror and you read those words 
and you say to yourself, who am I in this text? What is God saying to me? What does this have to do with Chris Brecky? Then it lives. Then the Word can move and do its business. So to and through means it's not only long ago. It's now. It's to you. It's to us. It's to our circles of influence. And we are the ones the Word is often going to move through. That's rather exciting. You are Malachi to someone. You are the instrument. That's exciting. They need a messenger to and through. Malachi, messenger, minor prophet, uh, mirror. Uh, maybe you're still with me. <laughs> Now, if I rotate, yeah, if I rotate this, this, uh, this, if I rotate this 90 degrees this way, it's now a, a three. Now, when Christians see a three, we think of three in one, our awesome God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Huh? We gather here to worship because the Lord has created us in all that exists, that he has stooped to give himself in total love for us, and that he continues still to stir and convict and counsel and move. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. However, in this case, uh, in Malachi, way before Jesus, messenger Malachi, minor prophet, he really joins those other Old Testament voices in telling us straight out that we are a hot mess of sin and sorrow, that we have bungled things up terribly, and it isn't just a matter of little particular things you did wrong. In fact, the prophets over and over again put in the face of the people that there are three major evils that bedevil us humans, three. Not little sins, not things you can kind of make a little checklist. These are overarching, powerful, destructive forces that we get wrapped up in, and they undo the world. They are evil. Now, can you guess what they are? If you got a guess, lean over and whisper to your neighbor what you think one of these is going to be. Well, if your guess starts with the letter I, you're probably right. The three evil eyes that Malachi and the prophets lambast are idolatry, ooh, look at those eyes, idolatry, injustice, and immorality. They leave a wake of destruction for the whole world. Let's make sure we understand these words in case they have anything to do with us today. Idolatry is to abandon the Lord by propping up something else as the highest good. Idolatry could have had to do with little statues that people worshipped in their house. It could have had to do with false temples uh, in the day of Malachi. But it has to do with people today as well 
idolatry to prop up something else as your highest allegiance. It could be money, popularity, comfort, whatever replaces God as of first importance. Martin Luther put it this way, whatever you value or trust in the most, that is your God. Whatever you value or trust in the most, that is your God. Idolatry. I hope we know that's building your house upon the sand. It's going to collapse. Nothing else is worthy. So American idolatry. Oh, we got lots of options, don't we? What do people live for? What do they give themselves to? What are they aiming at? Riches? Politics? Technology? Family? Addictions? Looks? Well, we got idolatry. Malachi gives some attention to idolatry in a unique way. He gets at it by means of omission. You, you've probably been instructed that there are sins of commission, things you do that you should not do, and there are sins of omission, things that you do not do that you should do. And Malachi really holds the mirror up to the people on this one. They are omitting to give God their best. In chapters 1 and 2, he says they give God their leftovers, their blind oxen, and their lame sheep. There's no sacrifice. There's no service. Their idolatry is omitting to give their best. And Malachi notices also they are not tithing. They drop God a little leftover coin. So when they worship, they're flapping their lips. They're looking pretty good. And God is not allowed to be God. It is idolatry. They sort of worship. Their real love is themselves, their own convenience, their own advantage. Malachi is not fooled. God is not fooled. Idolatry is as idolatry does. Listen and live. Well, the second evil that Malachi and the prophets confront us with is injustice. Injustice is the oppressive use of human systems to arrange the social order unfairly. That sounds kind of bookish. What it usually boils down to is a system that favors the rich and keeps down the poor. And the prophets bang on this again and again. And we know how tempting it is. Those who are on top want to stay on top. And it's all too human to set up our systems to the disadvantage of some, be it matters of economic class or race or gender or which side of the tracks you're from. Injustice is common. And the prophets remind us God is just and he wants a fair shot for everyone, good treatment for everyone. Israel was flunking this test again and again. Malachi's message from the Lord has these quotes. You have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. That's chapter 2, verse 9. He has this one. I will testify against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. 
That's chapter 3, verse 5. Injustice corrodes the whole system and leaves a wake of destruction. It sets in motion destruction for the nation. Well, Malachi and the word of the Lord are down on injustice. Listen and live. And the third great evil that the prophets go after is immorality. Immorality is the illicit pursuit of personal pleasure. Basically, it is using other people for your own happiness. It is often linked with non-marital sex, but also covers a broad range of harmful and self-serving behaviors. Malachi mentions by name violence, divorce, sorcery, adultery, perjury. Do we still have any of these mal behaviors after all these centuries? I'm afraid so. Immorality is alive and well, and we all pay the price. Malachi holds the mirror up. He's got truth with consequences, and he's saying, don't be with those three. Well, if I rotate another 90 degrees, the sign, I mean, not myself. Ah, now we've got a, a W. It could be for word, the word of the Lord that we're getting. We're hearing the word, the truth with consequences that Malachi is delivering, and, and truth is his word is mainly a warning. It's a warning. You probably don't like warnings, except for when you need them. Other people don't like warnings either, oftentimes don't want to heed them. Our normal human response is, hey, I'm fine, leave me alone. We're not big on warnings. Sometimes it's, it's rather like this Ole and Sven episode. Most of their lives they were farmers, but they did spend a little time trying to be truckers. So one day Ole and Sven are in, are in their big 18-wheeler. They're heading down the highway. There's a bridge up ahead and a clearly posted sign on the bridge. Clearance, 12 feet. Ole and Sven pull over to the side. They get out. They look. They look at their trailer. Clear sign on the top, 13 feet tall. They stand there a little bit thinking. Ole starts looking up and down the highway, and he says, Sven, there's no cops around. Let's go for it. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> the boys needed the warning. They didn't heed the warning. Malachi's job, in part, was to warn. He was the messenger. Whether Israel would listen, time would tell. And as for you, be it a warning given, or better yet, an encouragement, that's the more New Testament approach. We are witnesses. We are called to be witnesses, to open the mouth, to say a good word, to be of help. W. Don't be a weenie. Be a witness. Be warm, be winsome, but be a witness. 
The word of the Lord needs delivering. Well, one more turn. Now it's an E. The E could be for uh, effort. I could give you E for effort for hanging in there with this last place minor prophet sermon. But how about we let the E be for end? Malachi is the tail end of the prophets and the end of the Old Testament. It's part of the Word. It's a helpful part of the Word. But for us Christ followers, it's pre-gospel. It's, it's before Christ, B.C. And so it's not fully satisfying. It doesn't quite get us where we need to be. We long for more. We're eager for the second half. This end leaves us wanting more. Perhaps it's like Tony in Rome. Tony operated a pizzeria in Rome. Business was modest. But one day he gets a phone call from the Vatican. The Pope himself wants a pizza from Tony. Oh, he is so thrilled. He goes into the kitchen. He makes the best possible pizza he's ever made. He calls in his number one delivery boy, and he says, this is really important. I mean, this is a future marketing campaign and a boon for all of us, so I want you to do the best possible job. And in fact, instead of the usual 10% that you get, I'm going to give you half of whatever the Pope gives us. So Tony sends him off. He's pacing at the shop. About a half hour later, the boy comes back. Tony says, how'd it go? What'd you think? And the boy says, well, the, it was marvelous. I got to go up the, the spiral staircase and meet the Holy Father. He was very nice. and He took the first bite while I was there, and he had a smile on his face, and it went really great, I think. And Tony says, oh, that's wonderful. That's really wonderful. Okay, give me my half. And the boy says, okay. <laughs> the half just didn't satisfy. <laughs> well, there's truth in Malachi. There is. And all the first covenant. We've got things to learn. We have our warnings. We need them, true enough. But what we really want is Jesus. We need a savior, not just a prophet. In the end, for all us last, least, lost, fools and sinners, we need a savior. And thank God we've got one. And his name is Jesus. Do I hear an amen?